0: The Equest Podcast. Funds Industry Conversations.
1: Hello podcast listeners and welcome to this episode of the Equest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. If you're new to the Equest Podcast, do feel free to hit subscribe and like and share with your friends. I always really like chatting with people who are new to the financial services industry and come from outside with some ideas on how to fix some of the problems or inefficiencies that they see. And my guest for this episode is fergal brady he certainly falls into that category fergal is an engineer by training and his background is actually in communications where he co-founded a company called blueface with uh, aaron clausen as part of that business they identified an issue with the way payments were made and efficiencies around that and so having exited blueface they decided that that was the next problem for them to tackle so they established a firm called no friction at the time we recorded the podcast, No Friction was very close to receiving its authorization from the central bank as an electronic money institute. And as we issued the podcast, that authorization has now arrived. So, congratulations to the guys in No Friction and best of luck. I chat with Fergal about things related to payments and inefficiencies in the payment industry and, and how their business tries to address that. But we also chat quite a bit about the authorization process, the experience of dealing with the financial regulator in Ireland. And really the robustness of what is required to get from a concept to authorization and through the gate, as the regulator would call it. We also chat about where Fergal sees the payments industry being in the next five years, and a little bit about how Ireland as a financial services hub can position itself to make sure it's really at the forefront of developments in relation to payments, but more generally too, and a centre of excellence and a preferred domicile for firms that, that are in this space. So, with that, let's get on with the podcast. The Equest Podcast. Funds industry conversations. Hello, Fergal. Thanks very much for joining me in the Equest Podcast. Hello (laughs) Good start. (laughs) Uh, Listen, it's great to have you uh, guesting on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about No Friction to kind of set the scene for, for why we're chatting
0: sure yeah um thanks for having me on so no friction is a money movement firm and it is designed to enable businesses to make payments receive payments and automatically reconcile those payments within their core business application that's the fundamental premise of the business that's why we set it up we're about two years old and going through that uh, regulatory process as you know
1: yes absolutely we would chat about that in a moment Um, But your background is in financial services. Uh, I'm always really interested to chat to people who come from outside uh, and have knowledge and experience in other sectors and come to the financial services industry to disrupt and do things better. So tell us a little bit about where you come from. Sure.
0: Well, I started my career, I suppose, in insurance, so I suppose not a million miles away from financial services. (laughs) Fair enough. The world's least likely pensions consultant (laughs) a long time ago but uh, no I studied mechanical engineering and then I did an MBA and following the MBA I met up with Aaron my co-founder here in No Friction and we set up a company called Blueface which was a IP telephony company we processed credit card transactions back then it was kind of just pre the PSD and we used to store credit cards ourselves encrypted a course um, It was very difficult to obtain credit card payments back then so we grew that business scaled it and and what is it that
1: Blueface did that your competitors didn't do?
0: Uh, well, it was not. It was it was the dawn of the IP telephony era. So it's it's actually quite analogous to financial services mm. and certainly to payments. So what was happening was there was deregulation of the telecommunications industry. There were a the traditional incumbent telecoms firms, which grew out of the state monopolies. They had been mandated to enable access to the core telecoms network to other companies those companies would then sit on top of that network and provide telecom services but just at the same time there was open source software being released which enabled people to build what was a telephone what was previously a telephone exchange in a big big building and build it effectively in software on a laptop so that was happening at the same time as deregulation and the idea of IP telephony where you digitized your voice transmitted it digitally over a broadband or an IP IP line and spat it out the other end so it was real-time IP communications and we built a platform well Aaron built the platform we provided it to residential and then to businesses and of course we predicted rightly that all the telecoms world would leave analogue telephony behind move to digital telephony so we provided a sort of white label platform for those telecoms operators to use so we sold it to them and they sold it to end users so that's what we were doing there was quite a few companies around at the time we survived we contributed enormously to the IP telephony landscape as it is today a lot of the software etc that you use and zoom and hangouts and all the rest of it, we were involved in designing or contributing to the code base for that so that's what we did and I suppose uh, payments is somewhat similar in that there's you know deregulation mm. it's not just banks who can provide payment services now um, there's new technology which is enabling fintechs to emerge and challenge and take ownership of part of the value chain. So it's somewhat analogous
1: to, yeah. to what happened in telecoms. And I guess then, maybe it's just in your makeup that you, you see things that are could be done better and, and look for solutions, and, and as part of your previous life, you identified flash services that there were, there were frictions.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, in Blueface, we had an awful lot of difficulty, first of all, with obtaining the ability to accept payments, and then it was the cost of accepting payments. And in particular, the cost of reconciling those payments. So when when you want to make payments, pay suppliers, do your payroll, etc. Okay, so there was a little piece of technology which you ran your payroll. You your accounting platform, which did all your suppliers, etc. Then you your uh, various card providers to provide you with card acceptance, payment acceptance. But bringing all that together and tying it up was a very, very manual process and remained so. And that was the premise of No Friction, was to come along and provide a platform which made the idea of having separate accounting and bank account silly. Yeah. You know, there's no point in having a separate accounting platform and bank account. And not so much the accounting platform, really, the bookkeeping platform, because that's where all the manual. And, uh, effort is that's where all the friction is so we wanted to remove the the manual labor the bookkeeping element of a business and integrate it with a bank account so that when you looked at your bank account you know all your invoices all your suppliers all your payroll automatically reconciled there was no manual effort required from yeah and then you could go to your accounting platform do your cash flow and your p l and your analysis etc so that's the idea
1: that's the idea and yeah. having exited blueface you couldn't sit in your hands you had to go and get stuck back into fixing up problems and, and arriving in the financial services industry well it's so frustrating you know?
0: it's 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 yeah so that's that's effectively what we're doing I think I told you before that the problem was I was trying to make a payment in Spain trying to buy a fan sitting in Madrid in 45 degrees trying to buy a fan online and it simply wouldn't accept an Irish credit card on the website and what happens in, in a lot of southern European countries is because fraud is so rife in particular and regardless of secure customer authentication and everything else they simply don't accept foreign credit cards so for example you drive the toll road in Spain and try and go and pay with a Irish or non-Spanish credit card at the toll won't accept oh really full stop oh, that's a good heads up yeah so you'll be stuck with lots of
1: <laughs> Spaniards yeah, Spaniards. The horn. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly and you'll have to reverse out so yeah it's uh they just just won't accept it and same with a lot of online stores it happens all the time so we just want we just thought there would be a better way of doing this and of course aaron my my co-founder who's a uh, a technological tour de force he'd been involved and dabbling in bitcoin since around 2015-16 from a really from a technological point of view he got involved in the Bitcoin core which is the Bitcoin core runs about 80% or so of the Bitcoin network so he's one of the the core developers of that he was showing me Bitcoin lightning which is a peer-to-peer payments network designed specifically for you know small payments and it looks really cool Mm. Um, you know it's QR code scan bang funds transmitted funds transmitted Irrelockable, decentralized, instant, low-cost, everything you'd want from a, a payments network. And we thought, wow, this is really cool. So it kind of snowballed from there.
1: And so the as you get ready to launch No Friction, your, your license coming through... I'm sure the business has evolved and the product offering has evolved as you've gone through that process. So what is what is the no friction offering there? What is it that, that businesses benefit from? Yeah,
0: that? Well, we're, we're up and running, and what we've been doing is focusing on building integrations with some of those core business applications like accounting platforms and ERPs, so we're doing that bit. We've been providing the e-money account as a, effectively as an agent or distributor of another firm who are licensed, so that we could get up and running. You know, start learning about what the challenges are for businesses and start developing services which remove that friction. So, in particular, what we've done is uh, we provide the uh, the account Irish IBAN or UK IBAN. And payments can come into the account and they'll be automatically reconciled in your accounting platform which means that you don't have a person or an accountancy for practice uh, and you're not paying them to, to troll through all your invoices and try and match up your bank statement which is what traditionally happens so if you use Xero or Sage or QuickBooks or something the general practice is you import your bank statement which sounds great it's much better than reading it line by line from a paper statement but you're still left with you know, this list of transactions, and you got to go into them one by one. Oh, this is for this, this is for this, match it against this. And it takes hours or days or yeah. weeks in many cases. So we just remove that, that's gone. <laughs> and payments out as well. And so payments, payments out. Rolls yeah. Rolls so, so, yeah, payroll is a great example. Uh, supplier invoices. So the traditional model is an invoice comes in, somebody enters it up into the accounting platform. Somebody else comes along and says, right at the end of the month, i got to pay this invoice. It's a new supplier. Switch over to internet banking, set up the supplier authorize the supplier set up the payment authorize the payment you know the whole process could take half an hour and of course if you've got 200 invoices it takes weeks so we do is invoices are there in your accounting platform press the button funds are set up for payment batch payments gone so minutes rather than hours days weeks
1: so presumably when you go out and talk to potential clients it's those with heavy transactions in and out of the bank accounts that are biting your arm off. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're particularly of of particular interest. And then the other one, what we've been looking at, of course, is the actual payment process itself. So for uh, B2C or even B2B payments, where an invoice goes out, you would be amazed invoices go out and you look at it and you have to take five minutes to read through and understand actually well where's the IBAN how do I pay this is there an IBAN on it and then the references up here or the account numbers down here so what we do is we 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 provide the ability to pay which is account to account payments um, and part of open banking payment initiation services and then card payments so you send out an invoice but there's a payment link click on the link and the payment can be made by a card or instant account-to-account payment, and then when the payment is received, in many cases instantly, the invoice is automatically reconciled. So it's a really nice end-to-end reconciliation process, again, cutting out a lot of the friction. So open banking, as you're aware, payment initiation services, is this instant bank-to-account-to-bank account, account. Uh, can work really, really well, In Ireland it's good but could be better, Uh, the underlying technology is SEPA Instant which is instant SEPA transfer and of course some of the Irish banks haven't signed up for SEPA Instant yet which means that the transfer can take eight hours or a little more than that. But at the same time, it can be much more cost effective than cards in some instances, although cards are often better in in others. But ideally, when you send out the payment link with the no friction service, the main point is that the invoice is reconciled automatically, so you don't have to have a team of people Mm. in the back office trawling through your bank
1: account to identify payments and match them up with the accounting platform. So as we record, we're fingers crossed a letter of authorization Due to arrive shortly. We what, hope. Uh, we hope. <laughs> what's your take on the the authorisation experience yes. for somebody who's not done that before with the central bank? Yeah, yeah. Well, as a a close colleague
0: of mine said, having observed the process from start to finish, as a taxpayer, it's enormously satisfying.
1: <laughs> and as a and as a, a potential regulated financial services provider. Yeah, I think
0: it's. Uh, well, I think first of all, I think we 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 obviously went and looked two years ago at all you know the various jurisdictions a lot of fintechs went off to other jurisdictions because mm. it was viewed as sort of well maybe it's easier to get one there we decided we're an Irish firm we're based in Ireland headquartered in Ireland we're going to grow the business from here we want to be regulated in Ireland and um, the general feeling was that oh well Ireland's very difficult to get the to, to get authorization the process is very con- convoluted etc i found it to be frankly not straightforward but I've, I've certainly uh, found it to be robust in-depth, necessary, worthwhile and we wouldn't have gone anywhere else having go- gone through the process yeah. here we feel that Ireland is the right place to, to, for us to be regulated um, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't knowing what we know now we wouldn't change our mind if we knew it back then. And we kind of feel it's the gold standard of regulation, really. Getting an authorization yeah. in Ireland is a very, very valuable thing. So
1: It's tough, and it's meant it to be tough. tough. And it's
0: and, and it's good that it's tough. Yeah. Um, and um, I suppose a lot of the firms you know, that we've spoken to went out and they, they hired external consultants, lawyers, to help them with the process, or in many cases actually write the application. And we just felt that we needed to own the application. We needed to understand it in depth, every part of it. And we found that to be very, very useful and worthwhile because we now know all of the ins and outs from an operational and regulatory point of view. We know how to run the business. You know, we know all the pitfalls, etc. And we would definitely recommend that to somebody who's actually, you know, embarking on the process. You need to actually do the pro- do do it yourself and understand yeah. it. So, yeah, we've. Um, I have a, a, a great admiration
1: for the the, the process and how it's run. I have to say, yeah. Uh, well, it is, and, and as we've chatted before, the central bank does use the authorization process as the gatekeeper, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the the idea is to to make sure that only firms that are suitable and worthy and appropriate mm-hmm. get through that gate, because yeah. it's very yeah. difficult to fix problems afterwards, and that's not really how you how you want to that's right to yeah. run your your supervision model. You yeah, know? yeah,
0: that's right. I mean, if you look at the you know the dear CEO letters, and you know the first one was a couple of pages, the next one was like, 10, 11, 12 pages, something like that. And you look at some of the things that they're, they're actually shocking. You know, they're actually shocking that you know that a regulator would actually have to come out and write these kind of letters and point out major deficiencies mm. in, in the operations of e money or payment institutions. Like it's it's actually shocking some of the things to come out. And talking to others in the industry, um, you know, and some of the consultants etc. that we spoke to, there seems to be a. A broad kind of lack of appreciation of just how involved the process is um, and how important it is as well absolutely
1: and it is very involved because it's it's not just about here's the directive and here are the legal obligations and Mm. let's go through how you've addressed them it Mm. really gets under the hood and looks at your procedures and your operations and and on a day-to-day basis and a minute by minute basis how do you do what you're going to do and, and it's very hard for external advisors to answer those questions because really it's the people immersed in the business who know that's right yeah, or at least right. we'll have to figure it out yeah yeah, yeah no, that, that's absolutely right yeah and, and of course you know going
0: through the process to things maybe that you wouldn't have thought about it's impossible to, to understand, you know know every single regulation etc starting out in the process so maybe there's a couple of things you might't have thought about and the process forces you to think about these <laughs> certainly there are things that you could say well you know that could be improved or you might be able to do this a bit better but generally speaking I think the process is robust and fit for purpose
1: so coming at the other side of it how do you view the payments landscape here in Ireland at the moment and then of course five years down the line what is it that you you kind of see we might well do we're going
0: through we're, we're, we've also got a an application for registration as a VASP, a virtual asset service provider in and that's predicated on our belief that digital wallets are the way of the future the payment method of the mm. future You know, there may be central bank digital currencies, you know, there might be a a digital euro in the future. You could argue that there's a digital euro almost now, you know, you, you, you move funds and you move euros and, you know, it's really electronic communications are happening. There's no physical transfer of cash, you know, oftentimes. So we think that the digital wallet is the way of the future. In five years time, the idea of, you know, maybe having a card with the number emblazoned on the front and all the details you need to, you know, uh, copy the card and use it emblazoned on the very front yes. of the card you know, that, that that idea will kind of fade away and it'll be a digital wallet and a QR code and you scan it and face ID, fingerprint ID something like that, that's how you pay the technology which kind of underpins that is another question, whether or not it's the current networks, the current rails or whether it'll be something like you know Bitcoin Lightning that we spoke about at the top of the show that that will be what will underpin the payments network of the future, and that's what we kind of think. It may be something built on top of Bitcoin Lightning or Bitcoin Lightning itself, or some analogous kind of... uh, So the
1: vast uh, registration is kind of future-proofing or certainly keeping your your options open for how... Customer preference develops. Over time. Exactly, yeah.
0: So it's uh, it's 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 our way of ensuring that we're 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 up to date and looking into the future, and ensuring that the technology platform we're building now is capable of uh, dealing with the emerging payments networks. So right now, I suppose it's cash card, but you look at things like Apple Pay. Apple have obviously released this uh, uh, savings account in the US. The penetration of the iPhone in the US is obviously enormous, and it's particular in particular the market that they serve is typically, you know, the wealthier section yeah. of society. They're offering an interest rate of what, between four and five percent on deposits you can expect enormous take-up of that and of course their penetration in Europe and other markets is enormous as well so if people start holding their money in something like an Apple wallet and the funds are there why would they want to use you know a card or you know some other kind of payment method so I think there's enormous potential for companies like Apple you know WhatsApp or Instagram or others to provide payment services because they've got this peer-to-peer network they've got enormous penetration distribution which is something that obviously companies like No Friction don't have and won't have. Yeah. So And yeah, they
1: also obviously have the tech and the tech background they so the they tech, can make it work.
0: Yeah, they've got the tech, they've got the beautiful customer experience. You see, for example, WhatsApp has been uh, increasingly used in a business environment and communications. You know, when you want to uh, book an appointment, you've got uh, WhatsApp for business. You can, you know, send the WhatsApp to make your appointment. So it's only another one small step to go make, make the booking and make the payments yeah. you know and if you're accepting payments by WhatsApp you know electronically over you know remotely why not start using it in, in store the problem I suppose with with payment methods is that you need that integration with the business application you know particularly in retail so you go into a retail you you got your customer or your your uh, till and that till is part of the ERP typically and in order to actually make the payment and have that reconciled you need to have the integration of a new payment method with the retail uh, cash register and of course you know going into one cash register is easy but going out to all of them and making that payment method available is really really difficult so something like the power and distribution of Apple and WhatsApp and some of those I think will start penetrating those areas and then we'll start seeing more and more adoption of digital wallets and more and more instant payments, peer-to-peer payments and more use of
1: electronic cash. So do we get to a point where banks are really in the background as nearly your, your safeguarding account and built on top of that you've got your payment institutions and your EMIs and so your actual customer interfaces with your you no know, frictions and you very rarely see your your traditional banks because everything is going
0: yeah possibly I mean you know but going back to telecoms again um, you know but when IP telephony came out people were saying oh it's the end of the telecoms companies but of course you know it, it isn't that's not the end of the banks at all by any means like they, they do a lot of things really really well you know and, and and you know lots of people would argue about that but they do do you know certain things really really well and um, so they'll just you know evolve and do what they do really well well and continue to do that Um, and things that they don't do well or have no interest in doing and probably shouldn't be doing you know like providing you know an integrated accounting and bank account you know is that something they want to do maybe not now you know do they want to be doing payroll Do they want to be doing all those sort of specific things that businesses require probably not so there are companies who can provide real expertise and, and superb products which fit a particular part of a business problem And then banks will do what they do best in the same way the telecoms companies evolved from voice, you know, and earning money from just phone calls to providing the circuits through which all the traffic we use today flows. So that's how I think. And of course, within businesses, I think, you know, even accounting platforms, they're at a tipping point as well because they're becoming more and more vertical focused you know so you will have an accounting platform specifically for road haulage or you have an accounting platform specifically for pet stores you know or golf clubs and that's what's happening because they all require you know very very specific specific bespoke functionality which the generalist doesn't provide and of course then if the account or bank account is integrated with that there's no need to have a separate accounting and bank account because it's all one and, and that's the premise that no friction is built on, that that's where the world is moving to, you know, sort of bespoke software built specifically for verticals with, account, with a bank account built into it. That's where we believe the future is. So being a, taking control of the payment process just enables us to perform the reconciliation that's necessary to understand the payment flow end to end. And that's why we're doing what we're doing so you've learned a lot about financial services and payments in the
1: last couple of years
0: yes (sighs) yes we certainly have we certainly have i mean we did we did uh we did know quite a bit about it and it's funny when you look at something like bitcoin lightning um, the model for Bitcoin lightning emerged in parallel I wouldn't say in a vacuum or in isolation from the the central banking model but actually the two models work pretty much the same way In that you know you need to inject liquidity into the Bitcoin lightning network to facilitate payments through it exactly the same yeah. way that central banks inject liquidity into the network to allow payments through it so it's funny how they operate more or less the same way it's just another way of moving funds and if you think about it you know I want to pay you I hand you a fiver. like it's so simple and you know electronic payments should be that simple you know and we need to get over all of the problems that are associated with them and all the friction I think that's what we're trying to do yeah yeah
1: and, and we will I guess if the yeah. momentum is there and yeah the, and, and that's and the benefit Apple is there. Apple do so well I mean
0: you know paying with Apple Pay or Google Pay or something is so it's, yeah. a, it's such a cool way to pay it's great you know it's like double tap face ID bang gone done there you go yeah
1: and so as you wrap up Virgo, you're obviously a couple of years in and and the the license is coming very shortly, so it's a real milestone for the business, but you would. (laughs) What are your expectations and hopes for the business over the next five years?
0: So over the next five years, the idea is to continue building out the tech stack. I'm really excited about that. It's really, really powerful. We've shown already the potential. Um, what we're doing with the customers we have they're really excited about it. Uh, some of the verticals we spoke to be really excited about it um, and I think there's a lot more to come so the idea is to continue building out the tech stack obviously leverage the license and to continue to expand outside of Ireland obviously you know we've got yeah. a couple of customers in the EU already we want to continue to expand that and uh, you know build the, the the future, I suppose, of business finance. That's really the goal, you know, to remove all that friction from the, the, the movement of funds, automate the reconciliation, and become almost invisible to the business, so nobody knows we're here because it's so frictionless. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like the referee in a football match. Well, you that's don't a see really him. good referee. Yeah, yeah you yeah, don't, yeah, don't like see like or <laughs> <laughs> And last question, then. Um, so, if you think more broadly about the Irish financial services industry and how it how it does what it does and, and tries to continue in a position of preeminence and, and one that's well respected and regarded into the next five years. What is it that, a couple of key things that they really need to get right or not take their eye off the ball? Yeah, well, I think the, the you know,
0: continue to ensure that the process is robust, you know, in depth and fit for purpose. I think that's, a you know, continuing the sort of tradition that's there already and ensuring that firms which are authorised here have gone through this enormously rigorous process. I think that's vital. Of course, there's plenty of associations and organisations and um, there's a great startup culture in Ireland. It's a great place to start a business. So I think, you know, all the, the basic ingredients are there. I think, um, you know, maybe there's some policies the government could introduce to try and encourage more fintechs to maybe locate here. I think there's been a lot of talk about some of the, the, the fintechs that do exist, that have grown up over the last five or you know even 10 years and you know there's been talk about whether or not the licensing regime or authorization re- regime that they've been licensed in is sufficiently robust and, and you know maybe we should be attracting those companies here getting them to go through the process here but generally speaking i think we're in a pretty good position um i'm uh, certainly happy and, and confident and hopeful for the future
1: always happy to finish a podcast on a positive note there you go so thank you very much <laughs> for joining me in this episode thanks a lot danny take care thank you
0: The Quest Podcast funds industry conversations.